Sorry. Today's reading is Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. It can be found on page 839 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. The word of the Lord. Well, let's pray as we prepare to look at this. Our gracious God, thank you that we could um, have a place to consider you and your realness in our lives. And that's really what we're doing this morning, whether we come from places of hurt or pain or great doubt. Um, a friend brings us along and we, we don't even know if we fit here. Um, or maybe we come um, with some joy, some happiness. Um, because prayers have been answered in some significant way in the last season of our life. We come in and we, we sit here in these chairs and we look to you, all of us looking really to the same place, to a God um, who, if you exist, the story says you are gracious, the story says you are loving, and yet our world is broken, and in fact, we're more broken than we care to admit. Our lives... Um, leave a trail of collateral damage behind them. We leave trouble in our wake. And um, this story of grace tells us over and over again that you move towards broken and messy lives with your grace. That you don't ask us to climb the mountain of God, but you come down off the mountain. And you've done that primarily, definitively, and substantially through your son Jesus who came and entered into the brokenness and the mess, took it on his shoulders on the cross in our place. You come down from the mountain to visit us. And all we have to do is, is look to you and say, okay, we can move forward with that understanding that we can, we can trust in your grace instead of our own efforts. We can live as if we are your children and as if we are loved instead of as if we have to earn everything ourselves as if all of our performance is a referendum on our validation. Instead, we can go by your validation made on our behalf. So we pray that you, sp you speak to us in this time now through that grace so that our hearts, our lives, and our minds might be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question of the week last week was, it turned out to be really timely in terms of the weather. The weather co cooperated with it. The question of the week was, um, something about spring. What, what sign of spring do you look forward to? And people talked about bulbs that were planted in the fall and have been visibly rooting underground all winter, bursting green out of the earth, vivid gardening language. Um, somebody else mentioned just the idea of just more light, you know, the darkness. Um, here's how they put it. When, it. when it's no longer dark when I leave for work and dark when I get home. 
It's cool. And um, there's other things going on, like I, I like the blooming of trees. I grew up in, around a lot of tree farms, and there's the blossoms, you know. So I have a, an apricot tree in my backyard, and it's one of the earliest trees to bloom in terms of fruit trees. And so it's already got, like half of it has blossoms on it as we speak. Um, I also, another thing I, I, that kind of cues me in that spring is here is uh, there starts to be talk in the, in the blogosphere and on Twitter in terms of what I listen to. The NBA All-Star Weekend is coming up. Some of you, you know, it's, it's this thing happening today. What is it again going on today? I forget. What is it? Puppy Bowl. <laughs> Puppy Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday is something actually for me that, that just locks in in terms of paying attention to time because on Super Bowl Sunday in 2013, we had an open house in this space right here to, to kind of try out what would Sunday be like if we met here. And so that means we've been here three years uh, renting from Soul Collective and Cap City next door. So it just kind of it helps me remember, oh yeah, three years, wow. I don't know if any of you remember that. Um, Lent. Lent is a way of, is a part of the year in, in the Christian celebration of a year that marks time for us. And it's something that at City Life we found really helpful and I've seen God use in people's life as we look at it as it's, it's a springtime thing. And so usually during Lent you transition from, from the cold of winter to um, the more spring-like temperatures as well. Lent is a part of the church calendar, or lectionary is a word that gets thrown around, that helps Christians keep time throughout the year centered around Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. And so if you follow this kind of way of keeping time, and if you follow the scriptures that are suggested within that way of keeping time, you cover the whole Bible over a period of three years, but each of those years, every year, moves you through what are some of the big seasons, what's the... Anybody, pop quiz, what's the last kind of event in that church calendar that almost every church worth its salt would have celebrated? Um, what's the last big one, the big one on the church calendar? Anybody? I hear it. I, yeah, just the most recent. Advent, yeah, there you go. Advent. I just thought, you know, I just, yeah, I mean, some of you, you know, lecturing nerds were getting a little more into the more recent ones, so that's good, you know, extra credit. But no, Christmas, you know, Advent leading up to Christmas, that's the big one, and that starts the calendar year. So this whole thing moves us from Jesus needing to arrive, and then arriving, and then on throughout his life, and then all the way until Pentecost, and then there's this long season of Pentecost after Easter. And so the season that starts Wednesday is Lent. And that looks at Jesus' journey to his death and resurrection, uh, ending in Holy Week. So that's, ad, that's a Lent. And our text today is a classic Lent text from Joel. And it's preparing us to step into Lent in a few days. And so this is my feeling is that Lent is so important that I want to start talking about it now so that you have a three-day prep time to say, how, are, how am I going to enter into this season? And Joel chapter 2 tells us, Even now return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger 
and abounding in love. Return to God. How should we hear this as we think about Lent? There's a lot in here. I suggest that we mainly just hear one word. Gracious. Can we talk about gracious this morning a little bit? Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious. Somebody is a gracious host. Have you ever been a gracious host? What does that, what does that look like to be a gracious host? You know, there's a part of it where in order for that word to apply, then part of being a gracious host means there's some annoying parts to it that you could be legitimately annoyed with, but instead, you're taking the higher road, you're going the extra mile. But in order for it to be you're a gracious host, there has to be something in there that you could have legitimately been you know, annoyed with, and laid into somebody about, right? You're being a gracious host. No resentment. No bitterness, even though you're inconvenienced. Gracious. Within that word gracious, there's this sense that you are entitled to be a little irritated, but you're foregoing that, that right. Gracious. Gracious means you're, you're big-hearted enough to bend the rules of justice in this situation out of the goodness of your heart. Gracious. And so if God is gracious, so make that leap then. Make that transition from a gracious host means the guest could legitimately be annoying you. Well, with God, you're the guest. Do you see the offense? In, just in the word gracious, there's already some offense you can take at this word, even though it's a lovely sounding word. There's a, a painful truth in the word gracious, and that is that you deserve worse. Lent is a sometimes painful journey into God's graciousness. How exactly, how do I exactly deserve worse? That's part of the painful journey of Lent. I don't know if it's so, so scary. It shouldn't be terribly scary if you really believe the, that at the center of God is that word gracious. Because sure, the word gracious implies that you're getting you know, more than what you deserve, so you might have to kind of own up to what you deserve. But gracious is what you're, you know, what you're getting out of God. You're getting a gracious God. And in the book of Joel, it's, it's actually um, very interesting that this text gets used coming into Lent. Um, some people don't know what to do with it in terms of relating to the rest of the book. The, the rest of the book of Joel relates this natural disaster that has just happened of locusts, swarms and swarms of locusts coming and robbing the people of their crops and of their livelihood. So it's this natural disaster um, that's just grandiose and total and complete. It's graphic devastation throughout chapter 1. And then these words, return to your God for he is gracious. You could almost picture the people, if they were anything like us, stopping and going, um, you know, return to your God for he is gracious. He's compassionate. He'll, he relents from his anger. Well, 
isn't it bad enough that we've had our livelihood taken from us? We've undergone this great natural disaster. And now the call is for us to fast and in this word gracious that implies kind of like you deserve trouble. You deserve worse than what you're getting. We just got this natural disaster. We're, just, we're in a terrible place. We're beaten down. Are you saying that we have this coming to us? We deserve it? That's kind of, this, that's where this fits. This sits right in there. It doesn't accuse necessarily the people of anything that they've done, that they've brought this on themselves. It just kind of, but it just takes us to a place that isn't like, isn't just gentle comforting, oh, come here now, everything will be better. It's a little harsher than that. It's a little more like alarming and arresting. And in a way, it, it removes all doubt that the Old Testament wasn't written by a millennial. Because millennials are one of our most recent embodiments of our our American uh, ethos. And part of being a millennial, I think, is is some entitlement, right? I mean, in a millennial mentality, if this had all just happened to you, then you know you're entitled for a turn of events now. Now things have to go good. Because this has been, this has not been, I haven't deserved even what's happened. I haven't deserved this at all. It's not just millennials. There's a, I'm using millennials, but um, there's a seed of a millennial planted deep in all of our hearts, and in our society is dumping fertilizer on it constantly. <laughs> entitlement. We all have entitlement. We all have some sense of entitlement that I think is really helpful to identify going into Lent and hearing this word graciousness or gracious. Maybe you feel entitled to a job you like. I need to like my job. Or maybe you feel entitled to friends that you like or friends that validate and affirm you. Maybe you feel entitled to handle your money a certain way, however you choose. Maybe you feel entitled to handle your sex life however you choose. Maybe you feel entitled to locate yourself wherever you choose geographically. Or you feel entitled to certain comforts or a sort of a self-absorption. You won't call it that, but really you feel entitled to self-absorption. Meanwhile, neighbors around you are in great need. Whatever the case may be, if, if, if you're going to enter into the season of Lent on Wednesday, one of the most powerful things you can do is identify going into it, how do I feel entitled in some way as I approach God? What's your, what's your ethos of entitlement that you bring to the table if God is to be real in your life? I'm not necessarily saying that all those, those things that you bring to God, they might be described as entitlements, that they're all terrible and that you're a terrible, terrible person for having them. I think we all have them. And I think just one of the values of Lent is to look at them. Because the human propensity towards entitlement is a huge reason why we don't get grace. If you feel most of the time entitled, then grace doesn't mean anything. Because grace, as we looked at initially, grace requires that you don't deserve it. It requires entering into the fact that actually I don't, I'm not entitled to this. I don't deserve it. So Lent can be a huge gift for us Because Lent 
can be this time to enter into your entitlement and to get grace again for the first time. The God of Lent, as we read, is gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love. The first three of those, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, they all acknowledge that failure on our part is in the equation. Right? Compassionate that means somebody's, somebody needs help. Do you need help from God? Slow to anger. That means, that's the hardest one. That means God could have some legitimacy in being angry at you. We don't like to believe that. But then the summary is abounding in love. We, we would prefer the first three aren't there, quite frankly, right? Return to the Lord your God who's abounding in love. But graciousness, compassionate, and anger, that all forces us to go through the... In order to get at God's love, we have to go through the route of our own need and our own mess. And that's Lent. God is gracious instead of just... I mean, this, this passage, if it was spoken in the way we all wanted to speak, would say God is validating, God is affirming, and God congratulates you. We want to congratulate in God. But God's gracious. Our cultural moment is to have a microscopic sense of our blemishes, and it even seems to be shrinking. Our microscopes are getting more fine-tuned. So we basically say to each other spiritually, hey, watch out for that curb. Hey, watch out, there's a, there's a speed bump over there. Hey, watch out, there's a speed table. You know, it gets less and less abrupt. And the Bible says, basically gives us the worldview, hey, you're driving, we're all, we're all driving straight for a cliff. And so our option really is to, if, our option is to, one option is to keep pinning our hopes on a God who congratulates us, a God who affirms and validates. And my guess is, and I've seen this in myself, I've seen this in others, my guess is if you pin your hopes on that, that eventually, long enough, you live long enough that route, you'll have decades of evidence that well, you really just don't believe that congratulations are what are in order for you. But quite frankly, you, you don't need to be congratulated. You do need to be forgiven. Live long enough trying to pin your hopes on congratulations that you're trying to earn, and I guarantee you, you'll come up short. Your life will give you evidence of your need for forgiveness. And so another option, and that's the one that we can enter into together on Wednesday, is that every Lent for 40 days, and those are 40 days if you don't count the Sundays, and Sundays in the Christian church are a day of resurrection, new life. And so a lot of times, the tradition has been, if you're practicing some abstinence or service practice during Lent, a lot of times... Sunday is the day to take a break from that and rejoice in the resurrection, the new life. Some people, I think last year someone said, I never knew that. You should have told me before it started. <laughs> I get one day off every week from this? So, so this is one other option other than just living for congratulations is to live into Lent starting Wednesday and to strip away your entitlement. Try to work under the assumption that you need God's grace. Try that for 40 days. 
It's the, it's the Christian season of tabling entitlement. And so here's some tools that I want to suggest, and then I'll close in prayer. We have prayer cards in the back, and these can be used in a number of ways, and there's also um, going to be a, a sheet that comes around that you can take one, and it tells you how to write your own prayer, if, which is a really personalized process of Lent. Here's, here's a few prayers. Here's a prayer for con- about the issue of control in your life. Imagine praying this every day or multiple times each day. Omnipotent God who holds the world in his hands, I fool myself with illusions of my own control of my life. I cut myself off from others so I can maintain an imaginary grasp on doing life as I think it should be done. I feel angry when things don't go my way and in turn hurt my friends and my family with my coldness, my passive rage, and my not-so-passive rage. The reality is... I have very little control over my life. You alone made the oceans, the mountains, and the blue skies. You asked your servant, Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. I wasn't there, and I don't understand. You alone hold my deepest treasures in your hands. Father, I pray for the grace to loosen my tight grip on the reins of my life, and I give the reins back to you. Amen. It's a prayer for fearing rejection. Powerful judge, I insulate my life from judgment and potential condemnation of others. There is great fear deep in my heart of being judged a failure. When confronted, my radar increases its range and I'm on edge for the next missile of rejection. I buy the lie that my worth is always undermined and vulnerable to devaluation. But in Christ... I am your oh-so-loved child, welcomed forever into the protection of your court. I am as valuable to you as your only son, whom you gave for me on the cross. The only way my status is revoked is when I stop living as if it were secure. I look forward to the day of your full embrace when every fear will be driven out of my heart for good. In Jesus' name, amen. And here's a prayer for joy. God of joy, I have been swimming in comforts that drown out your joy. I chase satisfaction through busyness, relationships, work, and unsatisfying activities. I confess that I don't rejoice each day that you saved me and call me your child. I choose much smaller gifts that bring momentary satisfaction, not permanent joy. Exhausted and drained by this, I ask you today to make real and lasting the treasures I have. May each day contain a joy like a surprise party thrown in my honor with every gift I could ever want before me. Help my treasure to be what, I can, what can never be taken away from me. In Christ my treasure, I pray. Another thing that you might do during Lent is, and this is what I'm going to do, and so I'd love, and maybe there's a way those of us who are going to do this could connect together. It could be a bit of a community activity. Um, I don't know how, but maybe some way of um, revisiting it at some point along the way. Reading through all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, during the season of Lent. Um, so there's four, so if you divide that up, it's roughly like 
10 days per, per um, New Testament book of the Bible, per gospel. There's actually a link in the next slide, or one of the next slides, I think, that you can find it. It's on Bible Gateway. Um, and that'll be sent out other ways too. So what if a whole bunch of us use this season to enter into the life of Jesus, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and be the church together, immersing ourselves in that? Maybe also you have a prayer you're praying about a personal issue in your life. These are things that, um, that are on the table, basically, for you to grab hold of during Lent and to make a journey into God's graciousness. Maybe it's a painful journey. Maybe it's a joyful journey. Away from entitlement and into God's compassion. Let's pray. Our God of grace, would you help your grace to ring true and to find its way into the cracks of our hearts? We hold a pretty tight grip on our emotions and our deeper spiritual life. And we don't um, leave cracks exposed for very long. So would you find them this season and become real for us in a way that you haven't been? Perhaps we need to dig deeper into our own inner workings of our life. Perhaps some of us need to, to grow outwardly in service of others. Whatever the case may be, would it be all about an encounter with your grace in this season. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.